Welcome, everyone. Tonight, uh, we'll be continuing our study from last week. And since we had to do a, a bit extra review, uh, we might go another week or, or so. Uh, we'll uh, see, see how it goes, uh, because I think we'll have a, a bigger uh, payoff once we work through and finish studying the idea of like an Alma. Uh, then we can really see how this theme unfolds uh, through, through Isaiah. Uh, and a little bit into to Matthew. And so, just to uh, review a little bit, uh, last, uh, last time uh, we uh, did an overview of uh, Isaiah's prophecy uh, again, which we covered in more detail a couple, couple weeks ago. Uh, and we looked specifically at the, the prophecy of the Alma, uh, is pregnant uh, and uh, is bearing a son, and she'll call his name uh, Emmanuel. And there's kind of a progression there from uh, she is pregnant or has conceived uh, and is bearing a son, and she'll call his name, uh, kind of from past already completed to present to uh, to future, which is uh, sort of a prophetic thing that the, the prophets would often do. And we saw that there are uh, two fulfillments, uh, the first being with uh, Isaiah's own son, uh, Maher Shalal uh, Hashbaz, uh, hurry, plunder, hasten, pray, uh, something, something along those lines. Uh, and that really uh, picks up, and let's just uh, glance at it quickly, uh, Isaiah chapter 7. A sign uh, in verse uh, 14, uh, therefore uh, the Lord himself will give you, Ahaz, a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so there are going to be two fulfillments, but now in verse 15, it turns its focus, it focuses on Ahaz's day. Uh, and that's, that's really what you'd see if you're just reading through right now just Ahaz, but then once you get to chapter 9, there, there are questions arising as you keep uh, working through and working, uh, working along. And so in 15, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. So at a young age, uh, before he reaches moral discernment. Four, uh, and so he goes on to explain it. And from this point on, his focus of the sign isn't, he doesn't go on to elaborate or talk about uh, the, the woman, uh, he doesn't uh, talk about her uh, marital status uh, at this point, but the sign comes from, uh, from the Alma, uh, from the woman, but it's all these events that are going to unfold uh, in the early years of this child. Uh, and through the, the rest of chapter 7, uh, stays focused on this uh, prophecy for, uh, for Ahaz, this sign uh, in his own day. Uh, and then uh, in chapter 8, you have a new scene where now God is addressing uh, Isaiah and you see the sign unfolding uh, all the way through the end of the chapter. But then you get to chapter 9, and the chapter divisions weren't, weren't there. Uh, it really should, shouldn't be there at all. But when the, the land is plunged into darkness for rejecting the word of God, for rejecting the, the sign uh, that was given, then it looks to the future uh, in the hope, uh, the light uh, of this uh, coming son uh, this greater Davidic son 
uh, who is uh, rules and reigns forever, uh, who uh, rules in perfect righteousness, uh, who truly is God with us uh, by his very, uh, his very person, uh, his work, uh, the deeds he does, uh, by the titles that he bears, mighty God, everlasting Father, uh, his, his status and righteousness and holiness and living and reigning forever, this one is truly God with us. Uh, and there you can basically surmise, uh, when it came to Maherschal Hashbaz, you didn't have a, a virgin birth where she was a virgin afterwards. The virgin birth is unique uh, in, in, that, uh, in that sense, where with Maherschal Hashbaz, he comes from just human flesh. Uh, he, he had a human mother, human father. But uh, with the uh, God-man who's to come, you see that there's, there's a mother, there, there's an Alma. Uh, and really, I think we'll see that it's going to focus on he comes from the Davidic line, from Israel, from the remnant, uh, from Judah. Uh, this remnant that's, that's going to carry forth uh, really from, from Israel. You have some of that imagery throughout uh, with uh, Israel carrying this, uh, this uh, child forth. But ultimately, uh, he, he has an Alma for a mother. But uh, as, as uh, Matthew saw, a connecting uh, these signs together, seeing that it pointed to the coming a Davidic uh, righteous king, uh, the one who lives forever, uh, he saw that God did uh, a far greater sign uh, in which uh, the Holy, uh, the Virgin Mary uh, conceived uh, by uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, is, a, is a, working, a work of the Spirit uh, in her uh, to bring up uh, this about. So flesh begets flesh, but this one's the God-man. Uh, he's, he's truly man uh, from the Virgin Mary, uh, but uh, he is, uh, he's from above. Uh, he's uh, from, uh, from God. And so uh, Matthew understood all of these uh, connections and saw that uh, Yahweh had done a far greater sign uh, showing that God was with them. And that's, that's a focus of, uh, of Matthew where uh, he really understood it, just showing God truly is with us. Uh, he, uh, they shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from uh, their sins. Uh, he is a God with us, and uh, God and God alone uh, is the only uh, Savior. So, but we'll be looking at that uh, some more uh, in the uh, next uh, couple weeks or so. Uh, and then uh, we began looking at the word uh, Alma in uh, just uh, tracing it out a bit. And uh, generally, it has to do with a physically uh, mature uh, young lady or uh, woman uh, of a marriageable uh, age as she's uh, transitioning uh, from no longer a child, but uh, to uh, looking for uh, courtship, betrothal, uh, to, uh, to marriage, and then ultimately uh, motherhood. Uh, and so uh, it doesn't include uh, little girls, uh, and it doesn't uh, include uh, older, older women, uh, but uh, young, uh, young maidens. Uh, that's a good general way to uh, to gloss in. Uh, and then we, uh, as we were working through, uh, we first looked at uh, Proverbs uh, 30. Uh, and there we saw that uh, Alma 
can extend to at least the inauguration, uh, the beginning of marriage, uh, or a very early marriage. And here you see uh, just with, uh, it's written by, by uh, Augur, uh, son of uh, uh, Jacob uh, in Proverbs uh, 30, uh, the oracle. Uh, and he spoke about uh, the way of an eagle in the sky, uh, things that are wonderful, the way of a serpent on a rock, uh, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with uh, an alma. Uh, and this was in contrast uh, to uh, the, uh, the adulteress. Uh, this is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. And so uh, Alma can at least extend into the inauguration of marriage, from courtship uh, into marriage, uh, and may maybe an early marriage. Uh, but uh, here, uh, really, uh, even the word like virgin in, in English, uh, you, you can use where the, the ESV even places it in, uh, in the way of a man with a virgin, uh, looking to uh, the uh, the beginning of uh, of marriage. Uh, and then we also saw with uh, Isaiah and the prophetess uh, that uh, Isaiah was uh, likely uh, married to the prophetess, but we maybe can't know for uh, absolute certain. Uh, and just open up uh, Hosea chapter 1 uh, quickly. want to touch on a few more things since we did uh, so much review last time we uh, had to truncate a little bit. But with the youth of uh, Isaiah's first son, uh, who was no more than a very little child, uh, maybe no more than a couple, a uh, few years or, uh, or so, uh, and so he, he had been previously married, uh, Hosea is very similar where uh, with Isaiah, he says that uh, he and his sons are signs from Yahweh of hosts. Uh, and Hosea was very similar in this way. If you look in verse 2, uh, he was uh, commanded to take a wife of whoredom or a prostitute uh, and to produce children of uh, whoredom, a woman who is involved in immorality because Israel was in rebellion against God uh, and basically uh, was prostituting itself, the, the nation against God. Uh, and if you see that uh, broken marriages, uh, adultery, uh, the uh, one of the ultimate betrayals that uh, humans can commit against one another uh, that causes uh, heartache and ruin uh, in uh, families uh, and for children and everyone involved, uh, how much more so when uh, people prostitute themselves uh, against the one true living God, who is the very uh, source of life and truth and beauty and goodness and uh, blessing, uh, when they uh, instead turn to the creation uh, instead of uh, the, the creator uh, is far greater, uh, which is not to make light of adultery, but to say just how severe and horrible of, uh, of a thing uh, it is. But here, Hosea is a picture uh, of uh, basically a God, uh, an illustration uh, where he takes uh, this woman who's even going to uh, commit adultery on him. He's going to take her, take her back, uh, which uh, imagine being the, the prophet of God uh, and the, the anguish that it would cause uh, for, uh, for him. 
Uh, but uh, we'll see uh, three children along the way. Let, let's just read, uh, read through and uh, see if any of this sounds familiar. Uh, when Yahweh first spoke through Hosea, uh, Yahweh said to Hosea, and he's a contemporary of uh, Isaiah, uh, by the way, uh, ministered a little before, but uh, also during the, the same time. Uh, so Yahweh said to Hosea, go take a, to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking Yahweh. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblime, and she conceived and bore him a son. That sounds familiar. Uh, and Yahweh said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Uh, and I, I believe that is where the, the capital was. So call his name Jezreel. She conceived and bore him a son. Call his name Jezreel. Uh, he's a sign uh, to uh, the people. Uh, verse 6, she conceived again and bore a daughter. And Yahweh said to him, call her name No Mercy. Uh, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah and I will save them by Yahweh their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. Uh, and then uh, we, we see a, a third child. Uh, when she had weaned no mercy, uh, she conceived and bore a son. And Yahweh said, call his name, not my people. Uh, lo ami, not my people. For you are not my people and I am not your God. So you rejected them. Uh, yet uh, the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, uh, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So even looking to the future after these signs, uh, I and my sons are signs and portents uh, to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Uh, our Yashuv, a remnant shall return, uh, and Maher Shalal Hashbad, uh, hurry, uh, hurry plunder, haste and pray. Uh, and here with, with Hosea, you have the same uh, sort of signs with this, this woman he took for, uh, for a wife. Uh, and so uh, the, these parallels with, uh, with the prophetess uh, who uh, he may have been married, may have been his young uh, wife since he had just had a, a child very recently since God appointed him, uh, or if, uh, if this was a new wife uh, he took. Uh, and then let's uh, look at uh, Psalm uh, 68. Uh, just a couple more things I want to point out here. Uh, and so, uh, with uh, uh, with a young woman in Proverbs uh, 30, uh, we saw that uh, it could lead up uh, to uh, to marriage. Uh, maybe just even with uh, the inauguration uh, of of uh, marriage, a uh, young uh, romance that uh, ends up in 
uh, in uh, marriage, the husband and wife. Uh, and then with uh, Isaiah, uh, she may have been his his uh, his young wife. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, likely. Uh, and then in Psalm uh, 68, uh, verse 26, uh, we saw that the uh, Alamot uh, were uh, uh, playing the uh, tambourines. I think some have uh, timbrels. And so they're certainly young uh, women. But uh, if you look back uh, in uh, verse uh, 7, uh, here in this psalm, it's, it's uh, just an utterly amazing uh, psalm. Uh, and it has a lot of translation issues that uh, we won't have time to, to go through. But uh, it looks to uh, God, uh, just in the first couple of verses, it captures the theme. God shall arise, uh, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. That's the wicked. Uh, and he'll echo throughout all the way to the end. Uh, really, any unbelievers, but uh, largely the nations that are in rebellion against a God throughout the ages. Uh, God is going to subdue them. He is going to judge them. Ultimately, he's going to redeem them. Uh, so that uh, as he took the people Israel for himself, uh, one day he's going to take the nations uh, as well. And so uh, the, the psalmist uh, tr begins tracing a God's redemption of his people uh, out of Egypt, uh, bringing them uh, to Mount Sinai uh, in sort of a triumphal uh, procession, uh, really as his uh, sort of uh, captives even, uh, God's plunder that he took from the, uh, the Egyptians uh, to belong to him, uh, his people, uh, to be their king. Uh, and then as he leads them up into the land, uh, he defeats their uh, enemies at the time of Moses and judges, uh, even like Agav uh, Bashan, or Bashan in Hebrew, uh, and to the mount, uh, mountain of Zalmon, or Mount Hermon, uh, in that region, which was these uh, massive mountains to the north. Sinai to the south, uh, Mount Hermon, Zalmon, uh, way to the north. Uh, and then, uh, ultimately, in, in David's day, uh, establishing his temple on Mount Zion, uh, where he dwells. And so this is the whole land of uh, Israel uh, where he brings them through. And then it turns to the future, uh, where God is going to uh, redeem uh, the nation, uh, his people ultimately. Uh, he's going to subdue all of their enemies, and he's going to redeem the nations uh, as well. And his rule, his reign, will be over all of the earth. But uh, we're going to see some other women uh, be before, and there's uh, echoes later. So verse 7. O oh God, when you went before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, uh, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain, before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. And so some imagery just associated with God acting uh, and moving and bringing about his people uh, in, in battle and through the lands, and the people's uh, terrified. Uh, rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. 
In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. Uh, the Lord gives the word. Uh, the women who announce the news are, are a great host. Uh, the kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. Uh, the women at home divide the spoil. Uh, though you men lie among the sheepfolds, uh, the wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold, uh, when the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalmon, uh, the mountains all, uh, all the way away uh, to the north, uh, in the very northern country of Israel, where there were still uh, pagan nations and kingdoms that they didn't fully uh, drive out. But uh, in verse uh, 11, uh, using this uh, all of this Exodus imagery, looking back, the Lord gives the word, the women who announce the news are a great host. And there's some translation uh, issues, uh, but uh, looks like the, the best is uh, really focusing on uh, women. It's uh, in the, uh, the feminine. Uh, the women uh, who announce the news are a great host of God's victory, of God's salvation, of God's uh, deliverance of uh, the peoples. Uh, and even goes into things from the, the time of uh, the judges, uh, conquest and the judges, uh, the kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. Uh, the women at home divide the spoil. Uh, and that's found in uh, Judges 5 with, uh, uh, with uh, Barak and Deborah, uh, the, uh, the women dividing the spoil. At the end of this, uh, this uh, poem, it draws on that, uh, that uh, imagery uh, in this uh, victory uh, in the the women uh, an announcing uh, the news uh, are are a great host, uh, though you men lie among the sheepfolds, and uh, Deborah <laughs> and Barak uh, they uh, they berate uh, the uh, I think it's the tribe of uh, was it Ephraim uh, they have to look back it's uh, uh, Judges five verse sixteen, uh, and they're berating the men who didn't join uh, into. Uh, into the battle, uh, and this is a battle where God gave delivery uh, through a JL or Yael, uh, a woman in the tent who drove a, a, a tent peg uh, through uh, the the temple of Sisra, uh, the general, uh, the general for the king of the Canaanites and Hazor to the uh, to the north. And so uh, you see these uh, uh, these women. Uh, announced news are a great host, and then it talks about the women who are uh, dividing the uh, the spoil. While uh, though you men lie among the sheepfolds uh, uh, in fear, not joining uh, into the battle, because God gave the deliverance, He gave the salvation, uh, and He He gave it through this uh, one woman who took down the general uh, of this uh, mighty army. But this uh, this imagery. Uh, we see uh, later where it looks uh, uh, to the future, uh, verse uh, 19. Uh, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. And to God, the Lord, belong deliverances from death. But God will strike the heads of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who walks in guilty ways. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan, uh, from the, uh, the north. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea. Uh, talking about their enemies, he strikes down uh, to, to bring them back and, and strike them 
uh, strike them down uh, in victory upon them, giving salvation uh, to his people. Uh, that you may strike your feet in their blood, that the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from uh, the foe. Your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary, the singers in front, uh, the musicians last, uh, between them the alamot playing tambourines. And so you, you have more imagery of the, of the women uh, from the Exodus uh, giving the, the news. Uh, and now these young uh, ladies or maidens here, uh, and uh, in context, uh, there's nothing to show particularly focused on uh, virginity. It's a common theme uh, of, uh, of women uh, playing tambourines. And the men can too and sing and such, but a lot of times they'll draw on uh, this imagery uh, of, of women uh, throughout the Psalms, uh, if you go to Exodus uh, 15, uh, toward the very end of Exodus uh, 15, uh, this is also seen with uh, David's uh, great uh, great victories. I uh, think in First Samuel uh, around uh, 18, uh, the women come out uh, celebrating uh, the great uh, victories with tambourines and. Uh, song and uh, even singing about uh, that uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Uh, but uh, look at verse 19. So after this uh, this uh, poem uh, that uh, uh, Moses and the, the people uh, sang, uh, this poem that they uh, recorded, uh, for uh, talking about God's, uh, God's reign, he'll reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, Yahweh brought back the waters of the sea upon them, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women uh, went out after her with tambourines and dancing, and Miriam sang to them, Sing to Yahweh, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into uh, the sea. Uh, he has cast into uh, the sea. And so this is a uh, common, uh, common imagery here uh, with uh, women in the, the Psalms and uh, in Samuel with uh, David. Uh, and even, uh, I think you do have a version with uh, uh, betula, or the, the word, I think it's uh, betulim, which we'll uh, look at uh, perhaps next time, uh, with uh, Japheth's uh, daughter when he made a rash vow and came home, and his daughter came out playing the tambourine and singing uh, at, at his homecoming of this judge and with the victory that, that God had, had given him, uh, but he made a, a rash vow and uh, she uh, she was never married, and it uh, leaves a little ambiguity in the darkness of the day of Judges. Did he sacrifice her, or did he, in the law, knowing that that was forbidden, and that for a rash vow, you could offer a sacrifice to, to be forgiven for it, uh, did he offer another sacrifice, and just she lived a life of uh, uh, as, a, as a maiden, uh, as uh, never, uh, never marrying. Uh, but uh, here in uh, Psalm 68, we see both uh, allusions back to the Exodus, but then uh, in the future with these uh, uh, young maidens or uh, women. Uh, and 
uh, in the context, it, it's not particularly focused on uh, whether they're married or not, but uh, young, uh, young maidens would generally be uh, of an eligible age as they uh, transition into a marriage. Uh, and so then uh, we also looked at uh, Exodus uh, 2, verse 8. Uh, we won't go back there. Uh, just looking at uh, where you had a, a young a maiden, uh, Moses' sister, uh, and uh, there I wasn't looking at anything about marriage in particular, but she lived in her father's house. Uh, she was uh, would have been of an eligible, a marriageable age uh, at this time in her life. And uh, we'll see uh, throughout now as we transition uh, this focus with uh, with alamot, uh, plural, uh, that uh, it's a time of their lives uh, where uh, looks at uh, eligibility and uh, the hope of uh, betrothal and uh, marriage and ultimately motherhood. And uh, and even where we see at the uh, the more extreme where the, the word can be used, or even the word virgin has a range of meaning. Uh, a lot use the, the word technical, and we, we're kind of using that. With betul, I'd say it, it tends to be uh, the more precise word uh, when they want to focus on uh, issues specifically about virginity and the law. We'll, we'll be looking at uh, those things more. But uh, generally, words really aren't, uh, in general, technical. They, they all have a range of of meaning uh, where a husband could even say uh, to his his wife, uh, maybe a young husband or an older husband, and talk about his virgin wife or his virgin bride, maybe reflecting uh, reflecting back. And uh, even the word parthenos in uh, Greek, uh, even that uh, at different times uh, wasn't used as much for uh, virgin. Uh, by the time in the New Testament context, uh, it's uh, really, really uh, focused, tends to be pretty specific, but even there, uh, uh, words like Betula and Parthenos have uh, have a range of meaning. And so just to give you a, a simple example uh, in English, uh, think of the word uh, ball. Uh, usually I use biblical illustrations, but uh, it's just a simple il illustration, seems a simple word. Uh, but uh, the word ball, and so you can speak about uh, the uh, pitcher uh, threw the ball, and it was a strike. You have a pretty specific idea of a kind of a ball, if, if you know what baseball is. Uh, and in the context, if you're in a baseball field, you just have to say ball. You don't even have to say uh, baseball. It takes extra coding, extra effort. You just say ball. Uh, but don't wear people out, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, the uh, quarterback, uh, he uh, lateraled the ball to the running back, and he ran a touchdown. Well, it's a different picture of a ball, a very, very specific. Uh, it's not It's not exactly round. It has some spherical sort of dimensions. Uh, the, uh, uh, we have a, a young man uh, who can... Uh, he can dunk a ball. Uh, he, I'm sure he can throw three-pointers, -pointer, too. Uh, he's uh, pretty talented at the game of uh, basketball. Uh, and all of those give different pictures. But then if you say something, uh, I have to make you think of something else for a moment. So uh, Cinderella went to the ball. 
and there she met Prince Charming. Now you have a very different, a totally different idea of ball that you're talking about. Now you're talking about a sort of festive, uh, formal uh, occasion uh, that people would go to, and maybe even sort of a Victorian ball and, uh, and all sorts of ideas with a sort of a, people wear fancy clothing and uh, maybe uh, gowns and uh, maybe a Victorian age, maybe they wear their uh, sort of military uh, royal uniforms and such. Uh, but I suppose if you have a dog named Cinderella and uh, C Cinderella went to the ball, she, she has balls she likes to chase, you know, uh, you have a different uh, idea there. Or if you just say something like, uh, my family and I, we were uh, driving uh, up to our house and a ball fell out of the sky and obliterated our house. It's kind of a vague idea, but you'd need something with sufficient mass and size and velocity to do something like that. Or uh, just a final example, uh, 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 linguist, uh, uh, they've heard, heard linguist used before. Uh, the ball uh, struck him in the face and broke his nose. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't give you a very clear idea of what kind of ball, but it needs sufficient mass, velocity, a density, hardness to, to break a nose. Uh, and just like a sort of uh, very soft, sort of lightweight beach ball isn't going to uh, do the trick. It's not going not gonna to break a nose. And so it's just showing that uh, meaning we, we draw from all of this uh, knowledge that we have about, about the, uh, the world to, to understand. And uh, it can be very uh, specific. And uh, words have a range of meaning. And so it is with uh, Alma. So it is with uh, Betula. Uh, and Parthenos and uh, Virgin and such, even though some might be more uh, specific than uh, than others. Uh, and so now we're going to see uh, more that uh, Alma, we, we only have uh, seven uses besides the two that uh, might be for, uh, uh, might uh, be regarding a musical notation, maybe the sort of uh, voice or type of playing or singing. Uh, some say maybe like a soprano or uh, higher pitch, you know, like uh, young women or, or, or maidens. Uh, now we'll see that generally Alma is focused on this age when uh, people would be eligible for marriage. And, uh, and beyond uh, this age, probably not too much longer, you, you become uh, wives and you have children uh, and people aren't regarded as uh, Alamot uh, anymore. And so it tends to be geared toward uh, this age. Uh, and so I uh, turn to Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Uh, and we had already looked at Genesis 24, uh, where we saw that uh, it could even be used uh, almost interchangeably with uh, uh, Betula. Uh, Betula, who had not known a man, uh, speaking about Rebecca as, uh, as Abraham's servant was looking for a wife for Isaac. Uh, that could really be used uh, almost interchangeably. The, the two are so closely uh, related uh, to together. We'll see that more. Uh, and so, uh, uh, at the beginning, uh, the, well, not Genesis, but the beginning of Song of Solomon. Uh, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Uh, Song of Songs, that's... Uh, uh, the title in uh, uh, Hebrew. 
uh, let him uh, kiss me uh, with the kisses of his mouth, uh, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Uh, your name is oil poured out. Therefore, Alamot, love you. Draw me after you, let us run. Uh, the king has brought me into his chambers. We will exalt and rejoice in you. We will exalt your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Uh, and so, uh, obviously, uh, her beloved has attractive qualities. Uh, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, uh, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Uh, your name is oil poured out. And so uh, she delights in them like these things like uh, wine and anointing oils uh, and his name being poured out. Uh, his very uh, name, uh, she uh, delights in her, uh, her beloved. Uh, draw me after you, let us run. Uh, the king has brought me into his chambers. And now uh, you see uh, that there's a, in the ESV it says others, kind of like a chorus, and you have in the, the plural, uh, as, as after it's spoken about, uh, therefore Alamo to love you, uh, we will exalt and rejoice in you. Uh, we will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Uh, and so, uh, these may be the, the uh, at least for part of this, the, the very alamot and, uh, or the, the chorus even speaking about them uh, loving him. And here, these aren't, these aren't married women uh, who delight in him uh, or love him, but they're of a, uh, a marriageable, eligible age. Uh, it's an age of uh, where uh, people would be looking forward to uh, betrothal, uh, looking for an eligible uh, suitor uh, in, in marriage. Uh, and so it's not married women who are uh, delighting in uh, him here. They're they're married, but all about, uh, because they're uh, they're of an eligible age. Uh, therefore, all about love you because of his uh, attractive qualities. They they'd like a, a, a suitor to, to to marry and enter uh, into a marriage. And uh, people generally married uh, much younger in those days uh, as marriages. Uh, delayed more and more and more uh, in in our day, and uh, so many don't even marry. Uh, here, uh, Alamot uh, would be looking for an eligible suitor, and then turn to uh, Song of Solomon, uh, chapter six. All right, uh, we'll begin in uh, verse four, and so now it's. Uh, uh, it's the uh, the, the suitor, uh, the the beloved, uh, speaking uh, to uh, to the woman uh, that he loves. Uh, you are beautiful as Tirzah, my love, lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banners. Turn away your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of ewes. Uh, Young, uh, young sheep, female sheep, uh, that have come up from the washing. All of them bear twins. Not one among them has lost its young. Your cheeks are like halves of pomegranate uh, behind uh, your veil. So, now some of these things uh, were actually uh, compliments uh, back in that day. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to understand uh, back in the ancient context. You know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, how many uh, 
married men here, I will want to say uh, to your wives, uh, well, turn away your eyes from me, uh, for they overwhelm me. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, your hair is like a flock of goats. <laughs> might, might not want to go there, but uh, that, that was a compliment uh, in these days. And so, you know, that's why you uh, need someone with, uh, uh, with uh, college or seminary training. Uh, to <laughs> your hair is like a flock of goats uh, leaping down the, the slopes of Gilead. Uh, your teeth are like a flock of ewes, and so they'd be light, uh, female sheep, and uh, healthy, uh, her smile and such, uh, that have come up uh, from the washing. All of them bear twins. Uh, not one among them has lost uh, its young, like the uh, the herds of, of ewes and goats. And uh, from the goats, they uh, get uh, materials for uh, weaving and uh, such uh, for, uh, for all of their uh, garments. Uh, your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate uh, behind your veil. Uh, that one is not too bad. Uh, there and here, now we we get to uh, get to the, the imagery uh, with the alamot. Uh, there are sixty queens and eighty concubines and alamot without number. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one, uh, the only one of her mother, a pure to her who bore her. Uh, the young women saw her and called her blessed. Uh, the queens and concubines also, and they praised her. And so, uh, verse 8, there are 60 queens and 80 concubines, 140. So, uh, um, there you see the sevens again, uh, which they use for completion and uh, perfection, and they used it often uh, in their, uh, their uh, writing. And so, uh, seven times 20, and it may be adding the virgins, 21. Uh, they, they have all sorts of ways that they, they do that. And so you have 60 queens and 80 concubines. Uh, this would be like a harem of a, a king. If, uh, if Solomon's speaking here, uh, he, he uh, had all of his uh, uh, queens and uh, concubines uh, and alamot without number. So you have queens. Alamot, they're not queens. So queens are excluded from alamot uh, that he'd be married to. And then concubines uh, that uh, he would uh, be married to and have uh, children with, uh, but the alamot are neither. Uh, 60 queens and 80 concubines and alamot without number. And so these would be eligible maidens uh, in the, uh, the harem. They, they haven't uh, become his concubines. Uh, they haven't uh, become uh, any of his queens yet. And so uh, they'd still be virgins. Uh, and here, I uh, don't know, uh, in the harem, as we'll see in Esther, uh, he's not going to use the word Alma, but uh, we're going to see Betula and such in these same uh, connections and, and uh, imagery. Uh, but he'd uh, have these uh, eligible maidens and uh, may not be living in their uh, father's uh, house uh, in, anymore, uh, but uh, within uh, the, the house of the king. Uh, but then he turns to his beloved, and so these ones would be virgins. They, they're, uh, they're unmarried. Uh, turns to his beloved, say, despite all of these uh, in fullness, 140, 21, uh, all of these, uh, all of this, uh, these numbers, uh, my dove, my perfect one, is the only one, the only one of her mother, a pure to her who bore her. Uh, perfect. That's it. Uh, uh, he, he's complete. This is the only one 
uh, that he needs. This is his, uh, this is his beloved one that he uh, truly uh, loves and, and delights in. Uh, uh, looks like there are probably other sevens with a repetition of her uh, name uh, and such. Just so this is the only one uh, in, in full. He's uh, complete uh, and sufficient with, uh, with, with her, the one he delights in. Uh, the young women saw her and called her blessed, uh, the queens and concubines also, and they praised her. Uh, and so uh, there's a, a chiasm uh, echoing, uh, echoing uh, back to the, the queens and uh, concubines uh, in the, uh, the Alamot uh, that here it says uh, women, but it's really the, the plural of uh, daughters, uh, daughters. Uh, uh, Alamot, uh, we see uh, we're often uh, living uh, within their uh, father's, father's houses. And so a daughter saw her and called her a blessed. And now uh, turn to Esther, chapter 2. We've already seen with uh, uh, Rebecca that uh, in the very same wording as uh, Abraham's servant is recounting uh, uh, finding and uh, meeting uh, Rebecca, or first praying to God uh, that uh, he, had, he had prayed uh, that the uh, Alma, who uh, when he uh, asks for a drink, uh, would give him a drink and uh, also offer to uh, water his uh, uh, his camels and uh, flocks uh, and uh, give uh, give provision a generous uh, young uh, Alma or I think first uh, he uses uh, Betula who had not known a man and then when he's recounting it I can switch to uh, to, to Alma uh, they're uh, they're almost really interchangeable they're they're synonymous that their their meanings are uh, uh, being used so closely uh, in this context and uh, she's one who's eligible uh, for marriage uh, because she had not known a man uh, before. Uh, but, and then uh, in uh, Song of Solomon, uh, we see that uh, Alamot can be used for, uh, uh, for these uh, young uh, maidens who weren't married uh, within, uh, within a king's uh, harem. And they're neither uh, queens uh, nor are they concubines. Uh, they're unmarried, they're, they're virgins. Uh, and here we'll uh, see uh, Betula uh, used uh, in this exact uh, same way uh, in a uh, king's uh, harem. And so uh, here, uh, this is uh, in the book of Esther. Uh, it's during the reign of King Ahasuerus uh, of the Persians. Uh, it's after the Babylonian captivity, uh, but many Jews... Uh, after the uh, 6th uh, century, uh, beginning around uh, uh, 538, uh, they began to, uh, some came back to the land, and uh, there were waves who came, uh, came back. Uh, but uh, the vast majority were still scattered among, among the nations, uh, even uh, into the time of the Persians and uh, the, uh, Alexander the Great's uh, empire, the uh, during the Hellenistic times, uh, the empire of, uh, uh, of Greece, and he's really a Macedonian. Uh, but uh, during this time, uh, it was during the time of uh, King Ahasuerus or uh, Xerxes, uh, and this took place uh, as a scholar, Eugene uh, Merrill, a really good scholar, uh, has one of the best works written on uh, Old Testament history, 
uh, as he says, uh, the book of Esther begins in the third year of Xerxes, uh, 483 uh, BC. Uh, and so uh, his third, uh, third year, around uh, 486 and uh, 483. And uh, at the beginning of this book, uh, he's uh, throwing a great uh, feast for uh, all of his, uh, uh, his noblemen and all of his uh, officials. Uh, and he does this for 180 days, a uh, lavish uh, feast uh, with uh, holds back and absolutely nothing of this uh, pagan king. Uh, and then at the end of this 180 days, he has seven days uh, in which uh, all of the people uh, in Susa, uh, the capital, uh, and around the palace, uh, throws this uh, great uh, banquet uh, and feast for all of them uh, and uh, gives uh, even uh, drinking without measure and says there's no compulsion, meaning there's no law or constraint. Uh, do what you like. Uh, have as much or as, as little uh, as you uh, as you want, uh, his uh, generosity of this pagan uh, pagan king. Uh, but Queen uh, Vashti, or uh, Vashti, uh, she, uh, she uh, throws a feast just for her women, uh, to just have this sort of private feast with her women. And, and when the king requests uh, for his, uh, his officials, or uh, some translate uh, eunuchs, in some contexts, they might not be uh, eunuchs, can be used for uh, just officials, uh, to send them to, to Queen, uh, Queen uh, Vashti and to uh, have her come and have her come with this uh, ornate, uh, splendid crown uh, so everyone can see her beauty. Uh, she refuses. And so the king, uh, in an outburst of rage and anger, uh, calls uh, the officials together uh, because she uh, she rebelled against the uh, the uh, the king, uh, and so uh, he uh, questions what to do uh, about this uh, situation. And so let's just uh, read uh, chapter one, chapter one, uh, beginning in verse uh, well twelve. Uh, but Queen Vashti. Uh, refused to come at the king's command, delivered by the eunuchs or officials. Uh, at this, the king became enraged and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men, who knew the times, uh, so the ones who uh, can look to the times and give him uh, give him advice uh, and such uh, within uh, within the, the kingdom, uh, whether through uh, oracles or uh, wise men or uh, all of the, 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 the means that they would uh, draw on. Uh, for this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law uh, and judgment. So they're skilled in the, the law of the, of the Persians. Uh, the men next to him uh, being uh, Karshena, uh, Shethar, uh, Admatha, Tarshish, uh, Merez, uh, Marsena, and um, Mukin. Uh, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who saw the king's face, so uh, their grand ten audience with him, and sat first in the kingdom, according to the law, uh, what it to be, what is to be done to Queen Vashti, because she has not performed the command of King Ahasuerus delivered by the eunuchs. Then Memucan said, in the presence of the king and the officials. Not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also 
against all the officials and all the people who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. So in uh, the greatest, broadest empire that had ever been at that time, and one of the, the greatest uh, that has ever been, uh, from India stretching uh, at its peak, uh, even uh, over into uh, regions uh, a bit into Macedonia and, and Greece, uh, down to, uh, to Egypt. So, Mimukin uh, uh, said, uh, not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the people who are in all the provinces of a king, Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt, since they will say, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti uh, to be brought before him, and she did not come. Uh, this very day, the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's behavior, will say the same to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. Uh, so he's worried, basically, that uh, women are going to rebel against their husbands uh, under the, the example uh, given, uh, given by the queen. So uh, here's, here's what to do. Uh, if it please the king, let a royal order go out from him and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it may not be repealed that Vashti is never again to come before King Ahasuerus. Never again. And let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. So when the decree... Uh, so when uh, the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, all women will give honor to their husbands, high and low alike. Uh, this advice pleased the king, and the princes and the king did as Mimukin proposed. Uh, he sent letters to all the royal provinces, uh, to every province in its own script, and to every people in its own language, that every man be master in his own household and speak according to the language of his people. Uh, and in Persia, when the king made a law, it couldn't be revoked, even by the king. Uh, the Persian law uh, was uh, uh, written in stone, uh, as, it, as it were. Uh, and so uh, in this outburst of rage uh, against the queen, uh, he uh, gets the advice uh, of all of his uh, wise men uh, who knew the law, uh, and he passes a law that Vashti shall never see his face again. So he's going to find a, a better queen. Uh, and then, uh, you know, when he wakes up on the other side of the bed uh, and he realizes that maybe he had been a bit uh, rash, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, uh, after these things, uh, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had abated, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Uh, then <laughs> uh, the king's young men who attended him said, uh, let beautiful uh, young virgins, uh, in the ESV, uh, or uh, in, uh, in Hebrew, na'arot uh, betulot, na'arot, plural for uh uh, girls or uh, young uh, young women. Uh, it can be all the way from uh, very young indeed, uh, even uh, to 
babies even or very very little little kids uh, to uh, to uh, significantly older, uh, and so na'arot uh, betulot, and so young women plural betulot uh, virgins. Uh, it uh, qualifies na'arot uh, young uh, young women uh, so that. Uh, these ones are unmarried, but uh, they have never uh, known uh, a man, uh, been married, uh, had, uh, had children. And so, uh, after he's remembered what he had done, now they're uh, advising him, so he forgets uh, uh, Queen Vashti, uh, let beautiful uh, Naarot uh, Betulot, uh, young virgins, be sought out for the king. And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful Naarot Betulot, uh, young virgins, young women, young women virgins, to the harem in Susa, the citadel, under custody of Haggai, uh, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given to them, and let the young woman, uh, Naara, uh, who pleases the king, be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. So now they're drawing from the entire uh, kingdom of all the, the most beautiful, uh, eligible, uh, young women virgins. Uh, and that's uh, used again and again uh, as we uh, look, Lord willing, maybe uh, next time. We'll probably spend a little less time on uh, Betula. Uh, but... Uh, Again and again, uh, one of the ways uh, you see how it's used, it's used to qualify Nara, a young, a young woman, uh, to show it's not just any young woman, but it's a young woman uh, who has not known a man, uh, and generally uh, one who's uh, in her father's house, but as we'll see, uh, can even be brought into uh, the king's harem, which connects back to what we were seeing in the Song of Solomon, where Alamot are distinguished from queens and from con concubines. Uh, they're, they're neither uh, queens or concubines uh, because uh, they haven't been married. Uh, they're, uh, they're eligible. And so, uh, like with uh, Rebecca, uh, we see the, the overlap uh, with these two terms, uh, just how closely uh, connected uh, they, uh, they are. And so, uh, so far, uh, he's used Na'arot uh, Betulot twice. Uh, he'll be uh, using uh, using it in the Betula twice more at the end. Uh, it seems there's a chiastic structure that works all the way uh, all the way through as he turns to introducing uh, Mordecai uh, and Esther. And since we're going through, uh, we'll uh, just look at some things about uh, uh, as it unfolds that's relevant, but just uh, the book of Esther. Uh, and he'll use it uh, twice uh, more toward the uh, the end of this uh, chapter, uh, in, right at the beginning. Well, not not quite uh, into the the next. So the officials uh, have this plan, and uh, let the young uh, woman, uh, Naara, who pleases the king, be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. And so, uh, now he introduces. Uh, Mordecai uh, and uh, Esther. Uh, now uh, there was a Jew in Susa, uh, the citadel, uh, Susa, the capital of the Persian Empire, 
uh, to the uh, eastern uh, Mesopotamia, uh, modern-day uh, Iraq, uh, even uh, a little into uh, Iran, uh, Persia. Uh, now there is a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, uh, the son of uh, Jair, a uh, son of uh, Shimei, a uh, son of Kish, a uh, Benjaminite, uh, who had been carried away from Jerusalem uh, among the captives, uh, carried away with Jeconiah, a uh, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, a king of Babylon, had carried uh, away. Uh, and here on, sorry about uh, Shimmy, it, it's because I'm used to Greek uh, and uh, uh, sort of a E-I, uh, E, it sounds like uh, in, uh, in Greek. Uh, Shimmy, I guess we can say. Uh, and so uh, Mordecai, the son uh, of Jair, son of uh, Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjaminite. Now that's very interesting uh, because uh, Benjamin, uh, does the son of Kish sound familiar? Uh, Saul, uh, the first uh, king whom God had rejected, uh, his father's name was Kish. Uh, and uh, he had a descendant, I think is uh, another son of Kish, but a descendant, uh, Shimei. And he, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, the kingship belonged to Judah, uh, as in Genesis uh, 49. Uh, but the people wanted a king, so God gave him a king, and he gave him a king that was a head taller than any man. Uh, you know, that's our guy, you know. Uh, a big, big, tall, tall king. And so here you have a descendant, of Kish, who Saul's line was wiped out after him and his sons, but from Kish, Mordecai comes. Uh, and the, uh, the enemy uh, in uh, Esther uh, is going to be Haman, who's a descendant of Agag of the Amalekites, uh, the, the, the rulers of the Amalekites. And in uh, Exodus, uh, round uh, maybe Exodus 16 or so, 15, probably in uh, 16, uh, the Amalekites uh, and Agag, their ruler, uh, come out and attack the Israelites uh, and to, to destroy them, to destroy God's people that he was bringing out. Uh, and uh, Moses held up his staff and Aaron and Joshua helped hold it up, showing that uh, God was with them and that God was uh, bringing victory as uh, Joshua fought. And Yahweh said uh, to Moses, Right, say to Joshua and write in a scroll, I will utterly blot out Agag of the Amalekites. He's going to blot them out, uh, the, the enemies of God. Uh, you kind of have this uh, even going back to uh, people like uh, uh, Esau, Esau and Jacob. Edom came from Esau. Uh, Edom is going to be subdued under, uh, under uh, Israel. But one a day will come. Uh, when Isaac uh, blesses Esau, or blesses, uh, quote-unquote, uh, Esau, a day will come when you will break uh, uh, his yoke from your neck. Uh, after the kingdom divided, uh, one day, under David, all of these nations, uh, they're also depicting the blessing of, uh, of Balaam, who didn't mean to bless in Numbers 23 and 24, the false prophet, uh, that uh, their king shall be greater than uh, Agag, uh, the Amalekites, uh, and, uh, and uh, subdue and destroy 
the uh, Edom uh, and Moab uh, and the surrounding nations. Uh, but uh, after uh, the rebellion of Solomon, uh, th these nations were subdued for a time under David and Solomon, uh, which you can read about uh, leading up to uh, the covenant made in 2 Samuel 7. And really, just like the chapter after, chose God subdues his enemies. Uh, they bring tribute to him. Uh, he, he exalted his king, uh, his not, not Saul, but David of Judah, uh, his king above them. But uh, as things uh, unfold because of David's sin, uh, because of Solomon's, uh, God doesn't revoke his promises, but the nations rebel, uh, the Edomites, the Moabites uh, uh, rebel against him. Uh, and so here, you're basically, I mean, almost a thousand years later, uh, about nine, maybe even 950 or, or more years later, uh, now there's an Agagite, Haman, and uh, ironically, Saul, uh, God had commanded through, through the prophet Samuel to utterly destroy the Amalekites uh, and all, all that was with them. Saul uh, basically destroyed the women and children and kept the flocks and the herds and the king, maybe to, to make uh, relations with him, uh, the things that he saw as valuable. Uh, when Samuel confronted him, oh, uh, we're... we're keeping uh, the, the, the flocks and the sheep. You know, what's this bleeding of goats and sheep that I hear? Oh, oh we're, we're keeping the uh, keeping them to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. Uh, and the king's alive, Agag, God's enemy that he cursed and said he'd utterly blot out uh, in the, the oracle to, to Joshua that's written down uh, in Exodus. And so Samuel said, uh, is it uh, better uh, to... Uh, to, uh, you know, does God prefer sacrifices and burnt offerings rather than obeying the word of God? And so Samuel went and hacked Agag to pieces. Uh, John MacArthur had a sermon which uh, he used and, and spoke about that. And hacked Agag to pieces, uh, killing this king that was a enemy of, of God and his people uh, and uh, was a, a moral... Uh, violent, a uh, wicked uh, king. And so now a descendant of uh, of Kish, the father of Saul, Saul who refused to kill Agag, the, uh, the, uh, the king in this line. Now Mordecai comes and Haman, uh, this descendant of Agag and the Amalekites, is going to try to utterly blot out and destroy Mordecai and the Jews because of a personal offense because Mordecai won't bow to him because God had cursed Agag uh, and the, uh, the, the Amalekites. Uh, and so uh, it's a bitter irony that a descendant of Kish would be uh, involved uh, in this, bringing uh, an end in God's ultimate uh, oracle promise uh, in destruction uh, to uh, that he gave uh, had Moses uh, give to, to Joshua uh, and long after God saves and redeems his people even as they're scattered across the face of the earth uh, from uh, their enemies so uh, now we'll turn to Esther so uh, now there's a Jew in Susa the citadel whose name was Mordecai uh, the son of Jer a son of uh, Shimei son of Kish a Benjaminite 
who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, uh, that was a son of uh, Josiah, as I recall, uh, or uh, maybe been Josiah's uh, last son after him, uh, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. Uh, he was bringing up uh, Hadassah, that was Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. Uh, the young woman, Nara, had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, a Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Uh, and Mordecai and Esther, they have Hebrew names, but their names actually uh, in, uh, in Persia uh, were of pagan deities. Uh, they had uh, names of the people uh, around them uh, where uh, commentators say, for instance, uh, Mordecai uh, was a sort of a translated form of Marduk, uh, the uh, god of uh, the, the Babylonians and such, and, uh, and Esther, a uh, form of Ishtar. And so they're living in a uh, pagan society scattered uh, under uh, all of these uh, these Gentiles and the uh, the, the nations uh, uh, surviving there. Uh, and this is a book in which God's God's name isn't mentioned once in the entire book. It's not mentioned once. And yet you'd be hard-pressed to find a book. In some ways you can find the equivalent, but that just in such a way expresses God's hand of providence in every single last jot and tittle through the entire uh, entire book, uh, preserving uh, his, uh, his people. But... You have to realize now, as we're going to change to what happens to uh, Esther, uh, well, let's just read the, the, the next verse or so. So, now when the king's order and his edict were pro proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. Uh, and uh, the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food, and with seven chosen young women, uh, Naarot, uh, from the king's palace, and advanced her and her young uh, women, Naarot, to the best place in the harem. Uh, Esther had not made known uh, her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem uh, to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. So basically take out her father's house or her uh, her uncle who served as her uh, father because uh, she didn't have father or mother. And now she's in the, the king's uh, harem. And... Uh, it should shock us, but uh, Jews reading this uh, would be mortified reading, uh, here you have a pagan king over the Persian pagan empire who has uh, queens and concubines and uh, betulot or alamot galore. Uh, and uh, here... Uh, young Jewish 
a woman, a maiden, virgin, uh, is brought into the king's harem uh, with uh, the, the virgins. Uh, and uh, they weren't to marry uh, pagan anyone's, along pagan kings. They weren't to take uh, their daughters for their wives or to give their daughters to their sons to be their wives. And so Esther is brought into about the most horrifying situation that you could even imagine as a Jew for uh, for a young virgin, a Jewish a woman uh, brought into the harem. But God in his providence is going to deliver uh, the Jewish people through this, uh, this young uh, lady. Uh, and uh, Queen Vashti, who uh, threw a feast for, for the women, was brought down uh, and Esther is exalted because God has purposed uh, to uh, redeem his people and to uh, take uh, this horrific uh, situation uh, and subvert, uh, not just use, but as Carl Truman has said, subvert the evil and wickedness of man for his good purposes to bring about uh, a good end. Like as Joseph was sold into slavery uh, to redeem many people alive and to keep, keep his people, Israel, alive and his promises uh, ultimately uh, to uh, his king, uh, his rule that, that would come. Uh, but here, uh, through through this young lady, uh, God's going to give a deliverance. Uh, and so uh, we see uh, that uh, verse 8, so when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. Uh, and the young woman pleased him and won his favor and quickly provided her uh, with her cosmetics and her portion of food uh, and with seven chosen young women uh, from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. And so now you have a betulot, virgins, uh, in uh, a harem, uh, but the uh, king hasn't taken it as queens or concubines uh, yet, and so they're still uh, virgins or uh, even alamot, uh, eligible uh, maidens would be virgins uh, as well. Now, uh, verse 12. Now, when the turn came for each young woman uh, to go in to King Ahasuerus, after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, uh, since this was the regular period, period of their beautifying. So they need to be beautified for 12 months before they could enter into the presence of the, the, the king. Wow, I guess we can uh, talk what people think about that. Uh, now, uh, when that so, uh, uh, when this uh, happened for each young woman to go in to King Ahasuerus after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, uh, since this was the regular period of their beautifying uh, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and ointments from women, uh, when the young wom uh, woman went in to the king uh, in this way, uh, speaking generally, uh, when a young woman would do this, uh, she was given uh, whatever she desired to take with her. 
from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go in, and in the morning, uh, she would return to the second harem in custody of uh, Shas Gaz uh, and uh, or the, the king's eunuch, uh, who was in charge of the concubines. Uh, she would not go in to the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. Uh, now, uh, this is going to be important. Uh, there's a first harem uh, from which uh, they have their 12 months of uh, beautifying, uh, six months with the oil of myrrh and six with the spices and ointments for women. And then they, uh, verse 13, uh, they would uh, go into the king, uh, a young woman, a na'ara. Uh, she was given uh, whatever she desired to take with her, uh, to present herself to the king in the uh, best uh, possible way, uh, to maybe become uh, the next uh, queen. Uh, and so she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. So the first harem. Uh, and if you look uh, back, uh, back uh, first uh, to uh, toward the, the beginning of the chapter, uh, chapter or verse two, uh, they're advising uh, the king, uh, his officials or eunuchs. Uh, then the king's uh, young men who attended him said, "Let the beautiful Naarot Betulot, young women." virgins uh, be sought out for the king and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful Narot Betulot to the harem in Susa the citadel under custody of Haggai the king's eunuch who is in charge of the women. So he's in charge of the first harem uh, Haggai uh, where the uh, the king's eunuch or official, uh, and maybe likely eunuch. If, if he's in charge of the women, he wouldn't be uh, much of a threat then. Maybe they'd uh, view it. Uh, who is in charge of the uh, women and literally uh, women uh, is uh, the house of the women. And so even like the citadel and the palace is called uh, the house, uh, the, the house where the, the king uh, would dwell. Uh, the house of the women, where the w women would kept. And so you have the first house under uh, the custody of uh, Haggai, uh, the, the eunuch, where the, uh, all of the uh, virgins, the uh, uh, young woman, women virgins, Na'arot Betulot, were kept, uh, where uh, their cosmetics were uh, given them for their beautifying. Uh, and also uh, look at uh, verse 8. Uh, so when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed. And when many uh, Naarot, young women, were gathered in Susa, the citadel in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai. So the first harem who had charge of the women, the house of the women. Uh, and uh, the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women from her, the king's palace and advanced her in her uh, and her young women to the best place in the harem. The first harem with the, uh, with the virgins, uh, with the young women virgins under Haggai. Uh, Esther had not made known her people or her kindred for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known 
Uh, and every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. So the first harem. Uh, and uh, now, uh, back to, to verse uh, 13, uh, we see this uh, uh, change, uh, how it would work for each of the uh, young uh, uh, women or a young woman when she'd go into the king. Uh, when the young woman went into the king, uh, in this way, uh, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem under Haggai uh, to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go in, and in the morning, she would return to the second harem in custody of Shaskals, uh, the second house of women. Uh, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines, it's not the virgins, they then become concubines in his harem uh, because they're uh, no longer Na'arot uh, Betulot anymore, uh, but uh, concubines under Shaskaz, not Haggai. Uh, she would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and was summoned by name. So left with the concubines uh, after this time. If the king didn't delight in her and summon her, uh, by uh, name. And so, now uh, Esther's turn. Uh, verse 15. Uh, when the turn came for Esther, uh, the daughter uh, of Abihail, uh, the uncle of Mordecai, uh, who had taken her as his own daughter to go in to the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Uh, now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther uh, was, or now, uh, even uh, in uh, Hebrew, uh, verse 16, uh, and uh, now Esther was uh, taken uh, in. Uh, now Esther uh, was taken to King Ahasuerus into his uh, royal palace or house in the 10th month, uh, which is the month of Tibet. Uh, in the seventh year of his reign, showing God's providence, these sevens uh, sort of lining up. Uh, the king loved Esther more than all the women. Uh, and so now, uh, now uh, women uh, here. Uh, not not, uh, not uh, young, uh, young women. Uh, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the Betulot, virgins. Uh, so that uh, he set uh, the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So this competition, as they gathered the virgins, uh, Esther uh, is the one who is favored more than all the women uh, and, and more than all the uh, the uh, Betulot, uh, more than the Nashin, plural women. Uh, Isha is a singular woman. Uh, and uh, Nashim, more than the Nashim women, uh, in more than all the Betulot, uh, virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So she didn't go into the second uh, house of women, harem. She's not a concubine. She's, she's made queen uh, over uh, the, the entire uh, empire of the Persians and the Medes. Uh, verse 18, then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. 
He also granted a remission of taxes uh, to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Uh, and here there are actually tons and tons of sevens. Now we won't talk about them, but it's how the biblical authors wrote uh, to show this completion and fullness uh, uh, and uh, such. Uh, and so now Esther's feast, Vashti threw a feast basically for herself and the women, and she was brought low. Uh, Bob's uh, <laughs> written about uh, Mishnah, uh, feasts, banquets, where, where uh, one is exalted and another uh, is not, not exalted. Looking, even going back to God's uh, blessing and provision in the garden uh, for, the, uh, for his people, uh, for uh, his image bearers, uh, his vice regents uh, over uh, the, the world. And so uh, those who, who rebel and exalt themselves uh, against God are humbled, uh, but those who humble themselves are exalted. And Bob uh, has a great article he wrote. Uh, I think, do you even write in the seminary uh, on that? No, that's research I did after seminary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I commend that article. Uh, and so now Esther's feast, uh, Esther uh, feast in her uh, very uh, honor uh, later, Amen. Uh, there'll be a, a feast that Esther will throw for the king. Vashti threw it for her women and herself. Uh, but Esther will throw one for the uh, the king because she's uh, uh, she's humble and uh, and serves. And so uh, he also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. So we've seen virgins three times. Uh, and now, uh, 19. Now when the Betulots were gathered together the second time, uh, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known uh, her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. For Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, uh, Bigthan and Teresh, uh, two of the king's eunuchs uh, who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus, and this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai, uh, when the affair was investigated and found to be so, uh, the men were both hanged on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of Chronicles in the presence of uh, the king. Uh, and that will later happen with uh, saw the king became uh, angry earlier. Now uh, these uh, eunuchs, officials become angry or hanged on gallows. Uh, later, uh, that'll happen to, uh, to Haman that he had prepared for Mordecai. And really, as I recall, the whole book is really, there's a chiasm through this chapter, but the whole book is in uh, a chiasm from beginning to end. You get to the middle and then there are echoes uh, all the way, all the way uh, back. But we see Queen Esther of her, uh, verse 19, though, uh, now when the virgins, uh, Betulot, were gathered together, the second time uh, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Uh, Esther had not made herself known. And we go on and see that she was queen. So now he's at the king's gate, uh, not the first harem, but now uh, at the king's, uh, king's uh, gate. Uh, and uh, Esther is now queen. Uh, and here, so the, the virgins were gathered together the second time. Well, what was the first time? Uh, first time, uh, we saw they were gathered uh, from uh, all over, from Persia, from Susa, and they were uh, gathered uh, for the king. Let's see if he delighted in any of them. 
uh, the uh, young women uh, virgins. But the second time, to the second house of women. Uh, and so uh, some have uh, argued here that uh, Betulo can't mean virgins because, well, now they're concubines. Uh, but uh, we'll see uh, that it's used so many times uh, specifically, and there, there's a range of meaning, but uh, specifically uh, for virgin, we'll see in the law again and again and again. Uh, and here, uh, this is a common thing in narrative. Uh, virgins has been repeated four times, and he's also uh, mixing in na'ara and uh, woman and such. And so uh, you saw the uh, the concubines, uh, which they weren't a part of, and so by calling them virgins, it's drawing back to the women that were gathered in the first harem, went into the king, now the second harem, and they won't be called Betulot anymore because now they become concubines. Uh, uh, they'll, they'll no longer be uh, virgins. Uh, and so if he had called them, as a commentator said, if he had called them concubines, you'd be confused because we had already mentioned the concubines in distinction from uh, the uh, young women uh, virgins. Uh, and so he just refers to them the same way he's referred to them from then on. But just like uh, uh, even with Alma and with virgin, uh, you, you can extend it uh, so far into the inauguration of marriage uh, or even, you know, my uh, call your wife my, uh, my virgin wife or my virgin bride. Uh, to characterize her uh, here, now they won't be called uh, Betula anymore because the virgins who were first gathered are gathered into uh, uh, the second house of women, uh, and now they become uh, concubines. Uh, but uh, we'll have the opportunity to study uh, Betula uh, more uh, next time. But uh, here I just want you to, to see that just looking at, at Alma, uh, in uh, Betula, in the close overlap with uh, Song of Solomon, uh, with Genesis uh, 24, uh, their uh, meanings and senses uh, prototypically, uh, generally, in sort of an exemplar expected sense, uh, was uh, often used in uh, almost uh, the same way, uh, where they're even uh, difficult to uh, distinguish apart, except for uh, some, of the, uh, some of the other uses that you can uh, compare uh, together. And so, uh, as we'll see, uh, Matthew, uh, when uh, he, he looks and sees that Isaiah uh, pointed to a, a virgin uh, or an Alma uh, has uh, conceived and is bearing a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then he talks about curds and honey and focuses on uh, Ahaz's time in the uh, few years following that through the rest of seven, rest of eight, uh, with, uh, with Isaiah. Uh, but then with chapter nine, Matthew, Matthew knows and beyond. Uh, we'll see into chapter 11 and beyond and before uh, this, uh, this righteous branch, uh, this, uh, this shoot of Jesse and branch of David, the one who lives and reigns forever, uh, that uh, Matthew understood this very, very well. And here's the God man. And now God has done uh, a far grander sign for a greater fulfillment uh, that Isaiah, Isaiah himself uh, pointed uh, to. And, and uh, virgin births, as virgin births, uh, they're still virgin after, are not typical. Uh, it's unique for the God-man. Uh, uh, he's 
uh, truly unique, uh, conceived in uh, the womb of the Virgin uh, Mary uh, by uh, the power of uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, seeing this, understanding Isaiah, understanding the sign and seeing that God had performed this even grander miracle and this one is truly God with us to save his people from uh, their sins who identifies uh, with them uh, even in the exodus uh, in the wilderness uh, his temptations uh, throughout his entire entire life uh, that uh, Matthew uh, understood uh, very well uh, and uh, Parthenos in, in Greek uh, even with its range of meaning uh, he, he was uh, right on and understood it uh, perfectly. And so if you understand Isaiah and the two signs he pointed to, and you understand the greater sign that was done uh, in Matthew's own day uh, that was pointed forward, uh, then uh, you, uh, you know and have confidence uh, that Matthew understood this very well. And people can't even, can't even legitimately argue against it. And it doesn't all hinge on one word. Commentary shouldn't be just strings of word studies. That's why the first time we looked at the, the whole narrative. We looked at a, a big a big chunk. The only word studies are for when you don't know what a word means or you can't, or it's range of meaning and can't nail down its precise uh, uh, meaning. We, we have to read broadly uh, just because in Isaiah, if one day in your Bible study, Bible reading plan, you read Isaiah 7, okay, maybe the next day, if, if you're consistent, you read uh, uh, Isaiah 8, if you're consistent, three days in a row, you know, so, so, a lot of times I'm not, or I'll, I'll read other things too. Um, and you get to, you read chapter nine, you're not going to make the connections. <laughs> and those chapters weren't even put there originally. So uh, we have to see beyond the chapters and, and make the connection. So I hope it's an uh, encouragement and we'll then, uh, Lord willing, uh, have an even bigger payoff encouragement uh, uh We'll see if we finish next time or uh, uh, the time after. Uh, uh, not what I originally planned, but uh, it's uh, rich, and uh, we'll be getting to the book of Genesis. So uh, let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and uh, thank you just for how wise and profound and uh, amazing your word is. And uh, no man could possibly uh, orchestrate. Uh, rich tapestry of your word, uh, although uh, you yeah, you spoke through men, uh, but uh, you spoke through them as they're carried along by the Holy Spirit, and it, uh, it was uh, you speaking, uh, they spoke, but ultimately uh, it's the very word of God, and so uh, we thank you for these things, and uh, thank you for, uh, for the encouragement and hope uh, that we can have in your son, uh, in the one that Isaiah pointed to thousands and thousands of years ago and uh, even hundreds and hundreds of years before uh, before uh, your eternal son uh, ever uh, was conceived by the power of the spirit uh, in the woman virgin mary uh, to uh, to become uh, the god man and take a human nature to himself to be truly man and truly god and to live the perfect life uh, and and to die for uh, for uh, all of us who uh, put our hope and trust in him. So we thank you for all these things and uh, give you all the glory and pray in his name. Amen.